0: If we could, uh, this evening, for a short while, and with the Lord's help, if we could turn back to that passage that we read in Matthew chapter 13, the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 13, and if we just read again at the beginning. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the lake, and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow, a sower went out to sow. This evening we come to the conclusion of our short series on what it means for us to as a congregation to have a 2020 vision for our community Because as we began uh, 2020, I, I told you that my burden was that for the month of January, we would remind ourselves as a congregation that we need to have this 2020 vision for our community. Because our calling as Christians is that we must not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, as Paul says, they are only temporal. But the things that are unseen are eternal therefore we need to possess this 2020 vision for our community because if we have no vision and no enthusiasm and no zeal and no desire and no passion for the gospel then we have no future and as i was helpfully reminded at the door last week proverbs 29:18 says where there is no vision the people perish where there is no vision the people perish therefore as christians we need a 2020 vision. We need to have that sharpness and clarity in our vision. And over the past few weeks, we've considered various passages from the Bible which emphasize to us how we are to possess this 2020 vision for our community. We first of all looked at Exodus 33, where we were reminded that we need to have a passionate pursuit for the glory of God, because the glory of God, that's our chief end. And from the example of Moses, we were reminded that we need to be praying like Moses Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. But we also learned from the example of Jesus in Matthew 11 that in order to possess a 2020 vision, we need to have a passionate pursuit for the gospel of God. Jesus said in Matthew 11 that the elect will come. The elect will come to salvation and they will come. According to the gracious will of our Heavenly Father. But our responsibility, our responsibility is to make the free offer, offer of the gospel to whosoever. As Thomas Boston said, Jesus Christ must be offered to all men everywhere without exception or qualification. And then last week, Paul reminded us that in order to possess a 2020 vision, we need to have a passionate pursuit for the go of God. And the go of God is the go in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we saw that in Romans chapter 10, Paul affirmed to us that our heart's desire and prayer to God should be that lost souls will be saved. And from Paul's, Paul's example, we learned that we need to have a compassion for the lost Our hearts need to be beating and breaking for lost souls. We need to have a love towards them and a longing for them to believe and to confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And so in order to possess this 2020 vision for our community, we have learned that we need a passionate pursuit for the glory of God, the gospel of God and the go of God. But lastly this evening Jesus is reminding us from one of the most well-known parables that salvation is all of God and it's all of grace because from the parable of the sower, we're being taught that in order to possess a 2020 vision for our community we need a passionate pursuit for the growth of God. We need a passionate pursuit for the growth of God. And I'd just like us to look at this well-known parable Uh, And it's teaching under uh, three headings. The role of the sower, the reality of the seed, and the response of the soil. The role of the sower, the reality of the seed, and the response of the soil. So we'll look first of all at the role of the sower. The role of the sower. Look with me at verse 3. Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, as you know, the parable of the sword is one of the most well-known parables in the Bible. And Jesus, he often spoke to the crowds that followed him. He spoke to them using parables. In fact, the gospel writers tell us that Jesus never spoke to the crowds without using a parable. But of course we're not to be tempted to think that the parables of Jesus were just sermon illustrations or just little stories that he used to entertain his crowd in order to keep their attention. No, the purpose of every parable was to get the listener deeply involved and make them see that they are being revealed in the parable and that they are being compelled to make this personal decision about entering the kingdom of heaven. You know, we're also acquainted uh, with the parables of Jesus and how often he, well, he threw his parables from incidents and situations which his listeners were very, very familiar. And the same is true here with the parable of the sower. In fact, I love the parable of the sower. It's my favorite parable because, you know, we can relate to it so easily. And we can relate to it even in the, the culture, and the agricultural culture and context that we live in. And you know even when I was studying in the Free Church College uh, as students we were encouraged to preach on the parable of the sower at least once a year. And they said that we were to preach on the parable of the sower because in doing so you were reminding both preacher and congregation you're reminding them about the role of the sower the reality of the seed and the response of the soil. And of course the role of the sower as we see in, as Jesus says, the role of the sower is to sow the seed on the soil. But as Jesus indicates from the parable, the role of the sower is first and foremost to call people to listen. Because the parable of the sower, it's all about listening. In fact, that's how Mark records the parable of the sower in his gospel. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus begins the parable by saying, listen. A sower went out to sow. And it's an imperative command. Listen, emphasizing that the role of the sower is to call people to listen. The role of the sower is to be a herald of the truth, a proclaimer of righteousness, announcing the message of God's word. The role of the sower is to call people to listen, because the parable is all about listening. And we can see that because Jesus, he actually puts these bookends on the parable. He puts bookends on the parable of the sower where he he issues this call at the beginning of the parable to listen. And then he concludes the parable by announcing, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so the parable is all about listening. And the role of the sower is to call people to listen But what we must be clear on is that the sower isn't just the man in the pulpit. The sower isn't just the preacher. He is a sower, but he's not the only sower. Every Christian is a sower. The church of Jesus Christ is the sower. Because it's the responsibility of every preacher and every Christian and every every church to call people to listen My friend, we're all sore. And our role, whether we're in the pulpit or in the pew, our role is to call people to listen. Because the truth is, you know, in the Lord's wonderful providence, there are people in your family and there are people who you are friends with and acquaintances with that I and others in this congregation, they won't know them. And they'll probably never come into contact with them, but you will. And the Lord has put them in your path, and the Lord has given you a role as a sower. Because you know, the wonderful thing is if the Lord is sovereign, which He is, and if everything happens according to His divine will and providence, which it does, then nothing is an accident, and there are no chance meetings. Not even on Cromwell Street or in the Isle of Tesco or at the filling station. All these meetings where we meet people that we know, they are all appointed by the Lord. And they're all appointed for a purpose. The purpose of fulfilling our role as a sower and calling people to listen. Because you know every meeting, every meeting is appointed by the Lord. And every meeting is always an opportunity to witness or to speak a word in season or to invite a church or to a Christian event. Now, obviously, we have to gauge the opportunity. We can't always go in all guns blazing all the time. But it's always an opportunity. And if we're praying for an opportunity, the Lord will give us an opportunity. Therefore, we need to be intentional in our sowing. We need to be intentional in our sowing. And that's actually what Jesus teaches here in the parable of the sower. Because when Jesus describes this sower or farmer or crofter, whichever illustration you have in your mind, as he describes him walking out into the field at the beginning of a working day, he describes someone who knows that the seed in his hand is precious. And the sower knows that this seed could have a dramatic effect upon where it is spread and where it's sown. Which is why the sower he doesn't just throw it into the air and hope for the best. He doesn't throw the seed into the wind and just wait and see where it lands. No, the sower scatters the seed as best as he can. He's not careless when he's sowing, he's careful when he's sowing. Because Jesus says that when the sower sowed the seeds, the seed, some seeds. Fell. And you see that phrase repeated again, some seeds fell, some seeds fell, and they fell by the wayside, we're told, they fell among the thorns, they fell onto the rocky ground, and they fell into the good soil, some seeds fell, and that word fell, that's repeated throughout the parable, it's very important because it implies that the sower was cautious and careful in his sowing, he wasn't haphazard, and he wasn't slapdash in his sowing. He wasn't casual and careless. No, he was cautious and careful. Some seeds fell. The sower was intentional in his sowing. And, you know, we need to be intentional in our sowing. Because the role of the sower is to call people to listen. We're to be intentional. Or to call people to listen. But how are we to sow? How are we to sow? We know what we have to sow with. We're to sow the seed of God's word. And we know that we have to be intentional in our sowing. We're not to be casual and careless, but we're to be cautious and careful in our (laughs) sowing. But how are we to sow? We're to sow in tears. We're to sow in tears. Is that not what we're taught in Psalm 126? who sow in tears a reaping time of joy and joy they shall. You know, my friend, we're to sow in tears, tears for those who are in our family, those who are our friends, those who are our acquaintances. We're to sow in tears. You know, as Paul reminded us last week in Romans 10, we're to have this compassion for the lost where our heart's desire and prayer to God would be that lost souls will be saved. Therefore, the role of the sower is to call people to listen. We're to be intentional in our sowing. We're not to be careless or casual. But we're to be cautious and careful. And we're to sow in tears. All for the purpose that we might reap in joy. We're to sow in tears. But you know it's not all about the role of the sower. Because Jesus also teaches about the reality of the seed. Which is what we see Secondly. So the role of the sword, and then secondly, the reality of the seed. The reality of the seed. Look at verse 10. We read there that then the disciples came and said to Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So, after hearing this parable, the parable of the sword, the disciples come to Jesus privately. One of the other gospel writers tell us that he came private. They came privately, and they came privately to Jesus and ask, "Why do you speak to them in parables?" And the way the disciples' question is worded draws attention to the fact that the crowds were uncommitted and unconverted, which is why the disciples refer to the crowds as them. The crowds were uncommitted and unconverted. They weren't disciples. They weren't like the disciples. They weren't disciples because they were refusing to deny self and take up their cross mm. and follow Jesus. And instead, they were just going along in the crowd Listening but not hearing. But more than that, the disciples were asking Jesus, Why do you keep speaking to them? Why do you keep speaking to these unconverted and uncommitted crowds? Why do you keep speaking to them in parables? Or to use the illustration of the parable, why do you keep sowing this seed? Why do you keep sowing when there seems to be no response? Because going by the outward appearance of these unconverted and uncommitted people, why do you keep sowing? Why do you keep sowing if it seems that there's nothing going on in their life? Why do you keep speaking to them in parables? And Jesus gives the most unusual answer. He says, To you, in verse 11, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus' statement, it highlights to us that he spoke to the crowds in parables, and he kept speaking to them in parables, because the kingdom of heaven is a mystery that only some will understand. The mystery of the kingdom of heaven, which is salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus says it will be revealed to some and not to others. In his commentary, Leon Morris, he says about the words of Jesus in verses 11 and 12. He says, the doctrine of election hides behind these words or lies behind these words. And Leon Morris, he continues by saying, The disciples were not disciples because they had decided that it would be a good thing to be a disciple. They were disciples because God had chosen them. And it was in the outworking of his divine choice that they came to see Jesus for who and what he really is. And so in these verses, verses 11 and 12, Jesus is talking about the doctrine of election. And he explains to the disciples that the reason he keeps speaking to the crowds and the reason he keeps on sowing the seed, when on the surface of it all, they seem to be unconverted and uncommitted. The reason he keeps on sowing is because in the sovereign purposes and will of God, Jesus says the elect will come and the mystery of the kingdom will be revealed to them. And Jesus is actually saying to the disciples, that's why you're to keep on speaking. And that's why you're to keep on sowing. Because even as we learned a couple of weeks ago when we looked at at Matthew 11, a couple of chapters before this one, Jesus was affirming that salvation is all according to the gracious and electing will of the Father. And Jesus said that the reason the elect and others uh, and Others do not come. The reason the elect come and respond to the gospel and others do not is not because of the role of the sower but because of the reality of the seed. The seed is to be sown but the seed will never germinate and it will never take root and it will never produce fruit in the heart of a sinner unless it's according to the gracious and electing will of God the Father. No one will know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven unless God the Father chooses to reveal it to them. Therefore the seed must be sown among the crowds. As Thomas Boston reminded us, Christ is to be offered to all men everywhere without exception or qualification, even though on the surface, just looking at them, they look uncommitted and unconverted Even though on the surface, that's how they look. No one really knows what's going on under the surface. No one knows what's going on under the soil, except God the Father. And Jesus is affirming that, he's affirming to us in the parable of the sower, that even though there's an elect, we're to keep on sowing the good seed of God's word. We're to keep on calling people to listen. We're to keep on being intentional in our sowing. We're not to be casual or careless. We're to be cautious and careful. And we're to sow in tears. And we're to keep on sowing in tears. We're not to stop. Because as the church in Corinth was reminded, Paul may plant. The next minister, Apollos, he may water. But it'll always be God who gives the increase. Paul may plant. Apollos may water. But it's God who gives the increase. But then Jesus, he gives further clarity of this when he says in verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. You know, by quoting Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, which describes Isaiah's call, and when Isaiah was called to preach, he was called to keep preaching. And to keep sowing the good seed of God's word to the unconverted and the uncommitted people of his day. And Jesus is affirming to the disciples here that there were many people in Isaiah's day who remained unconverted, and they remained uncommitted. But that didn't take away from Isaiah's role as a sower. He had to keep on sowing, he had to keep on preaching. Isaiah still had to call the people to listen. And there's no doubt that Isaiah was intentional in his sowing. There's no doubt he was cautious and careful in his sowing. There's no doubt that Isaiah was a man who sowed in tears. But Jesus says it's the same in every generation. And it's to be the same in every location where the seed is sown. There will be some who remain unconverted and uncommitted to the message of the gospel. But that doesn't take away from our role and our responsibility of sowing seed. My friend, despite the many who remain in our congregation as unconverted friends, Jesus says there are some who will become Christian friends. There are some. And Jesus says these Christian friends, that's what he says in verse 16, they're blessed. These Christian friends are blessed. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You know, my friend, you're blessed because you can see and you can hear. You're blessed, as Paul says, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And it's not because you saved yourself, but it's all because God the Father graciously, lovingly, and mysteriously drew you to himself, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, he has worked salvation in you according to his electing will. And you know, that's why the psalmist in Psalm 126, we'll sing it in a moment. That's why the psalmist was doubtless when he went out to sow. That's why he had confidence that the seed in his hand was able to change lives because, you know, his confidence wasn't in his own abilities of intellect or eloquence. His confidence was in the God who graciously draws sinners to himself. That's why the psalmist could say, that man who bearing precious seed in going forth doth mourn, he doubtless, doubtless bringing back his sheaves, rejoicing shall return. He was doubtless because he knew that there would be a response. There would be a response from the soil. The seed would work according to the will of the heavenly father. There would be a response from the soil. And that's what I want us to think about lastly. The response of the soil. In the parable of the sower, Jesus teaches us about the role of the sower, the reality of the seed... And then lastly, the response of the soil. The response of the soil. Now look at verse 18. Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. In one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. You know, in these words, Jesus affirms to us that when the seed of God's word is sown, we don't know what's going on under the surface of the soil. We have no idea. We don't know what's going on in people's hearts. But what we do know is that the seed is always effective. Because when that seed of God's word is sown, it has one of two effects. The soil either responds to the seed or it rejects it. The soil either softens or hardens. Is that not how the old saying goes? It's the same sun that melts the wax, that hardens the clay. And it's the same seed that's used in God's sovereign purposes to soften some and to harden others. And with that, Jesus affirms that what you hear or how you hear affects your heart. How you hear affects your heart. Because in the parable of the sword, Jesus, he presents to us four kinds of heart. And they're to be found in every congregation where the gospel is preached. There are hardened hearts, hollow hearts, hungry hearts, and healthy hearts. There are hardened hearts, hollow hearts, hungry hearts, and healthy hearts. And Jesus says that the hardened heart, it's so hard that when the seed is sown, it just penetrates no deeper than the surface. It just lies there. It lies on the surface. And Jesus says, like a bird ready to get its dinner, the devil just comes and snatches the seed away because it's a hardened heart. Then Jesus also says there are hollow hearts in your congregation. And they're hollow hearts because on the surface, everything looks good. Everything looks promising. They look like they're listening. They look like they're taking it in. But under the surface, there's no real sign of life. And Jesus says the hollow heart, well, they believe for a while. They warm to the gospel. But when testing comes, they fall away. They cool off. And they go back to the way they were. That's that's the hollow heart. But then Jesus says that there are also hungry hearts who gather in the congregation. And a hungry heart is someone who is so hungry, and they're hungry for riches and pleasure and status and the acceptance and the approval of others. And they're so hungry for it that they crowd all these things into their life, but at the same time they're crowding out the one thing needful, which is the Word of God. And Jesus said that's a hungry heart. But the heart that Jesus wants to leave us with and the heart that we all need to have is a healthy heart. Because as Jesus says, a healthy heart hears the word of God, understands it and bears fruit. A healthy heart responds to the gospel in faith and obedience. And as Jesus has taught his disciples, the reason the healthy heart responds is not because of the sower but because of the Lord's gracious and mysterious work of salvation. The Lord uses the sower, yes. He uses the sower in sowing the seed. But it's always the Lord who prepares the soil. He's the one who prepares the soil to respond. You know, the sower can be sowing the seed of God's word for years. You can be speaking to a friend or to a relative for years. You could have spoken that seed into their life even decades ago, and that seed is lying dormant in the soil of their soul, and the outward call to come and listen it may have gone, but it's gone out, but it's ineffectual. And it's ineffectual until God, the Holy Spirit, makes that seed effectual, and so works in the soil that it responds to the call of the gospel to listen, to listen. And you know, alongside this parable, it's that catechism which gives me the confidence and assurance as a preacher to keep on sowing the seed—the catechism of what is effectual calling. Because sometimes, even as a preacher, and maybe you find it yourself speaking to the unconverted and uncommitted. Sometimes you think it's pointless. Sometimes you think it's a waste of time. Sometimes you think they don't care. They're not listening. They're not interested. But as Jesus reminds us in this wonderful parable, it's God's salvation is mysterious and it's nothing to do with me or to do with anyone else. Yes, the role of the sword is to be intentional. We're to be cautious and careful, but the reality of the seed and the response of the soil, it's ineffective until the soul of the soil is effectually called. The catechism reminds us effectual calling is what? A work of God's Spirit, whereby He convinces us of our sin and misery. He enlightens our mind in the knowledge of Christ. He even renews our will. And He persuades us and enables us to embrace Jesus Christ as He's freely offered to us in the gospel. So that seed can be sown for years. We're to keep on sowing it, we're not to stop sowing it. But you know, it's only if the Spirit is working that it will land in good soil, and produce fruit, and that they will come. But our responsibility is to keep on sowing. And so in the parable of the sower, Jesus teaches us about the role of the sower, the reality of the seed, and the response of the soil. The role of the sower, the reality of the seed, and the response of the soil. But in conclusion, I just want to ask once more, how are we to sow? How are we to sow? As we said, we're to sow in tears. That's what Psalm 126 reminds us. We're to sow in tears. But you know, we're also to sow with patience. This is something I have to preach to myself, I know it. We're to sow with patience. And I say that because when Luke gives his account of the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8... When he talks about the healthy heart, he says that the healthy heart, the the, the good soil, he says it bore fruit with patience. It bore fruit with patience. And it's so true, isn't it? When the sower would have finished sowing, or when any sower finishes sowing, he would have looked at he looks at his field. The field that he has just walked up and down all day long, throwing the seed out. When he looks at his field after a hard day's work, it will look no different to when he started. The results aren't instant. As all good crofters and gardeners know, waiting is always part of the process. Therefore, we're to sow with patience, which is something, as I said, I find it very difficult. But so did young Timothy. That's what I take encouragement from. Young Timothy was Paul's young preacher, And Paul reminded Timothy that when he preaches the word of God, he's to preach with patience because the results aren't instant. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, preach the word and preach it in season and out of season. And when you preach it, reprove, rebuke, exhort and teach. And do it, he says, with all patience. Do it with all patience. How are we to sow? (coughs) We're to sow in tears, but we're to sow with patience. We're to sow in tears, but we're to sow with patience. So, in the parable of the sower, Jesus teaches us about the role of the sower, the reality of the seed, and the response of the soil. And it reminds us that in order to possess a 2020 vision for our community, we need to have a passionate pursuit. For the glory of God, the gospel of God, the go of God and the growth of God. That's our vision. We're to have a passionate pursuit for the glory of God, the gospel of God, the go of God and the growth of God. We're to sow in tears but we're to sow with patience. Well may the Lord bless these thoughts to us. I well, like us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, teach us to be patient. Teach us, Lord, to wait upon thee. Teach us, Lord, even to sow in tears that we might reap in joy. Lord, that we would have a burden for those in our homes and those in our families and those in our community. That thou, Lord, wouldst enable us, as feeble sores that we are, that we might be willing to sow that good seed and to sow in season and out of season to so Lord and always to be ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope that is within us for as thy word reminds us we have a great hope and that we have been given this hope not according to even what we wanted but according to God's desire and God's love towards us and Lord we thank thee and we praise thee tonight that thou art the one who has drawn us to thyself the God who has called us from darkness unto thine own marvellous light But Lord, as thy word reminds us, it was always for a purpose, that we might show forth the praises of him, that we might live our lives for thy glory and for the furtherance of thy kingdom. Help us then, we pray, to have a vision, because as thy word reminds us that when there is no vision, the people perish. Lord, give to us then that vision. Help us to pray like Moses. Lord, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Reveal thyself to us, Lord, in our day and generation. That, Lord, those in our community will be drawn to thyself. Lord, do us good, then we pray. Give to us a passion, a passion for Christ and a passion for the lost. Do us good, then we ask. Go before us, taking away our iniquity and receiving us graciously. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to bring our time to a conclusion by singing in that psalm, Psalm 126. Psalm 126, in the Scottish Psalter, page 419. Psalm 126, and we're singing the whole psalm. When Zion's bondage God turned back, as men that dreamed were we, then filled with laughter was our mouth our tongue with melody. We'll sing to the end of the psalm. That man who bearing precious seed in going forth doth mourn, he doubtless bringing back his sheaves, rejoicing, shall return. The whole psalm to God's praise.
1: When thy own gone,